Hello and welcome to Planet A. My name is Annie Bowling. Tonight's program is about industrial hemp. We'll be hearing an interview with an industrial hemp producer right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. But first, I'll give you some context about the history of hemp production, uh, both globally and locally, thanks to an article on the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's website in the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources on their CropWatch publication. This is from March of 2020. I'm gonna do a little bit of reading and paraphrasing of that article to get us started. So hemp, or cannabis sativa, has been a major crop globally for centuries, used for the production of fiber, medicine, and other products. Its production has been regulated since 1937, at the same time of bans on psychoactive substances, including marijuana. Hemp is differentiated from marijuana by its minimal levels of THC, which is the psychoactive chemical in the plant. The, U the U.S. Domestic markets for industrial hemp products have been supplied primarily by China and Canada since industrial hemp was pretty much banned in the 1970s altogether here in the U.S. France is the global leader in industrial hemp production. In the 2018 Farm Bill, industrial hemp was removed from the controlled substance list and hemp farmers were made eligible for federal crop insurance and researchers were enabled to apply for federal grants. In that same year, U.S. hemp production increased to about 78,000 acres, which is an increase of more than 200 percent from 2017, which is when hemp was grown strictly for research. Nebraska legalized hemp production for fiber, grain, or CBD in 2019 with the condition that the plant parts of indu industrial hemp have a THC concentration of less than 0.3%. The article also reads that rapid increases in hemp production are projected due to demand for CBD and other hemp products. The president of the U.S. Hemp Authority, an industry group, wrote in 2018, the hemp oilseed, fiber, and extract industries are at the threshold of an economic revolution, end quote. Okay, so let's next go to the interview recorded on July 12th with industrial hemp producer Dakota Dezerk. He's the farm manager of Reed's Green Growers in Lincoln, Nebraska, right at the edge of Lincoln. And they are having a open house about their hemp production and their greater vision down the road to try to get more uh, farmers involved in the conversation, more um, people from the community, people in media. And that is on Wednesday, July 28th from 5 to 8. Uh, you can email them at Dakota at reedsgreengrowers.com. That's R-E-E-D-S. And the address of the open house is 8253 Northwest 27th street in Lincoln. All right, here's Dakota. My name's Dakota Deserg, and our business is Reed Screen Growers, LLC. How much, how many acres, how much hemp are you growing? So we've got two fields here, and uh, they're both a half acre each. We got two different varieties. So one variety is Futura 75, and the other variety is A2, and they're both uh, fiber and green varieties of hemp. They proved to grow out, have good harvestable fiber strands within the stalks, mm -hmm. and um, they don't go over the limits of 0.03% THC, so that's mm -hmm. why we chose it. It's a low-risk 
decision on it and um yeah so that's why we chose this variety these two varieties mm -hmm. there are uh cbd varieties you can get and they're growing a little bit differently uh, a little more spaced out and uh, they look a lot different than these fiber plants do they kind of grow out to be like christmas tree like and these ones are more grow straight up and plant them as dense as possible to keep the weeds out and get as many stalks as you can okay um so you planted these in may of just this year right yep yep so for your first time um how did the process go i know that with nebraska having just recently in the last couple of years passed legislation to allow uh growers to produce hemp after they get their license through um what was that process like for you like when did you decide and how long did it take to get that <clears throat> license sure um, all of that like what's kind of the story so we started thinking about growing it um it was 2020 last year kind of in december in that area and we wanted to try something different out here and we wanted to grow hemp we just didn't know where we're at so we picked these locations because they were not being used at the time and it was all just grass underneath these power lines we could only grow a row crop so we decided we would uh till up the field a little bit and get the ground prepared and uh plant the hemp crop underneath these lines and uh yeah, so I started working on my license probably in December, November and December of that year, just getting some paperwork lined up, and then um, we submitted our paperwork to the U.S. or uh, the Department of Ag or whatever, and uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> had to go through some licensing fees. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went through those. I think it's about 600 for the license fee and then 150 for the site fee. So mm. once they approved our license, uh, they they sent me the license. And then uh, we also had to get an FBI background check to get the license, too. Oh, so yeah. that was kind of weird. We yeah. had to do a fingerprint scan and everything. And <laughs> they had to make sure we weren't <clears throat> criminals, I guess. So. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a fast turnaround, though. Yeah, you know, that's not even a year ago, and here you are growing it. <laughs> we wanted to give a little extra time on the soil to get it prepped better, but uh, we just didn't have that time frame, and yeah. we really wanted to get something in the ground this year. So, Yeah, so you planted one field in early May. The other field, like I think you said, third week in May. We're standing next to it, and it varies in height, but maybe from like... <clears throat> some of these are only like two feet tall on the edges, and then up to maybe five feet tall six feet tall how tall will they get so uh they have the potential to get up to you know 10 feet tall this variety so mm -hmm. um i'm at the point now where i'd want to harvest because we're starting to see the male pollen sacs starting to come up and that's an indicator that your crop's ready to go for a fiber harvest and mm -hmm. you could creep growing these out for a grain crop too and mm -hmm. you'd want them to get fully matured so they start seeding you could harvest the grain too with the raised header on your combine. Mm -hmm. It's a little tricky with this variable field here, but this one over here could be done. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to do it for grain because you got to dry the grain down very quick. It's a little bit touchy, but that's the other potential, you know, crop you can get out of it besides the fiber stalks. Okay, sweet. 
And so you'll bale it up just like you would bale hay. Is that right? Um, For the fiber. And then you send that to uh, your buyer in Kansas just because that's the closest one you told me earlier. Yeah, they're about two and a half hours away in uh, Great Bend, Kansas is where I found them. What do they do with the fiber? So they're going to run their fiber through a machine they have, and it's called a decortication machine. And it basically runs the bales through. You unwind the bales. It's a round bale, and you push it through this machine. It kind of sucks it in, and then it just pretty much pulls the fiber out from the herd. And the herd's the inner core of the plant. And you can, you're basically, you're wanting the fibers, you want these long strand fibers, and that's what's going to sell the most and be the best quality. But then the herd's kind of a byproduct from the machine, and it spits out this inner stock, and you can use that for like animal bedding or like wood chips, or you could really grind it down and make it into like hemp creek or some, some kind of product like that, so... Can it also be used for like, <clears throat> like hemp clothing or hemp is clothing. that, okay. Yeah, that would be like part. for the fiber, for the fibers, you get like hemp clothing, you could get the ropes, you can turn that into paper. So there's a lot of different end products you can get, but the machine that they're using is pretty much just breaking the plant down into that form of product. And then you take that product and you do what you want with it. You could sell it for the clothing. You can have it broken down into something different depending on what you want your end product to be used for mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool how did you decide what variety to grow so we chose this a2 variety specifically because our buyer in kansas wanted us to use this variety that's what they use up there or down there and they say it just works good for fiber and you can do it for the grain as well and then this variety here specifically you know, it's uh, it's got the genetics, so it's going to test below that certain THC point so you can harvest it. And um, we chose to use this pro- this A2 variety here, too, because the stem size, it's what they want to run through their decortication machine. It's about a quarter inch to three-eighths inch in diameter, and they don't want a huge, heavy one-inch stock going through their machine. So mm-hmm. we're growing it because they like the the variety themselves it works good on their machines and uh that's why we chose to use it and that's that's kind of what they wanted to buy from us i guess so Mm -hmm. yep yep cool and so you don't have to do much beyond just bailing it up uh so what you do is you cut the crop down and we're gonna do it probably you know late july or first week of august we'll cut it down you let it sit out in the field and they call it redding so you let oh. it sit out and dry down in the field for about, you know, two two weeks to a month. Oh, okay. It gets to a certain dryness level, and then you can run a baler through it. So talk about, like, how the crop grows. Um, what kind of pests you're dealing with, if any, what kind of weeds are problematic, if any, um, like the general maintenance. General of, maintenance. Yeah. Okay. So, uh <clears throat> I wanted to get the ground prepared well before we planted it. I rototilled it, and the idea of doing that was just to chop up the soil a little bit more, but also to remove any other weeds or grass that was in there. So as soon as I got done rototilling it, and I put my compost in, I tilled that in as well, and then I wanted to plant my seed right away. And you get your seed in there, you plant it pretty dense. They recommend 25 to 30 pounds of seed per acre. Is what you normally do 
when we did ours we just had our two bags we had 50 pound bags we did 50 pounds for each half acre so we did it very very dense but the idea is to get your seed on once you get that fresh till in and then it outperforms any other weeds within the field if you get it in early enough it'll just grow and crowd out any weeds so wow that's why if you look through this field you don't see any other weeds sticking up throughout it. it's just that's just, just hard hemp. to wrap my mind around i mean yeah you don't you don't get that with corn and soybeans and you don't um get that with <clears throat> just growing produce or you know whatever so am i right that that's really rare it is rare yeah yeah, yeah. it's um, just planting a plant that could out compete any other plant that's around it so yeah, I guess that's the idea. Plus, it's nice that it can grow so densely so that there's not a lot of room, yep, not yep. a lot of opportunity for anything to come through. Do you deal with pests? Uh, I haven't noticed any bad pests this year, and I don't know what will mess with it technically right now. I've seen a few Japanese beetles on it, but not enough to show any significant damage to any of the plants. So Right now, I haven't identified anything too serious throughout it and uh nothing that's going to affect the fiber crop at the end so mm -hmm. i guess if you're dealing more with your cbd plants and whatnot that maybe maybe you have a little bit more you're looking out for more of those pests i guess but mm -hmm. not no real problems i haven't had to spray anything no insecticides no herbicide just all pretty much 100 percent organic right now so pretty exciting this is a cat <laughs> <laughs> It is really exciting. It seems, I mean, it's clearly a viable crop here in Nebraska. It seems to really like it and like the soil, right? I think so. You know, it's uh, pretty easy. I just, I threw the seed down. It kind of came up. I didn't know what to expect. And it, it was dry out for a while, especially when I planted the second field. And I was a little nervous at first. And the plants were about four inches tall or so. And I had about two weeks of dry. And I thought it was going to dry out, and then I got a big rain that came in, and then they took off about a foot in a week. So I was like, okay, so it's not really a big issue. But, you know, if it was dry for like a month, I'd probably get a little concerned. But, you know, was, I was surprised. I thought the field might dry out, but the plants are obviously strong, and they rooted down really far. So So you're not having to do any irrigation? No irrigation. No watering? Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so cool. It's growing like a weed. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty exciting. Stuff. It is so exciting. Um, how often do you have to get it tested to make sure it's below that 0.03% THC level? So, with my crop here, I'm not super concerned about it. Uh, I'm going to get it, I'm going to put in a harvest notification report to the Department of Ag here, and then they're going to come out and test it within the next 30 days they'll cut off like the top 12 inches of the plant they'll do it throughout my fields and they're going to test each variety so i'll have to do two different tests and then um they'll get the results back to me and tell me if it's uh able to be harvested and sold or not mm -hmm. and if it tests too hot then they'll come out and we'll just pretty much destroy the crop and mm -hmm. Try again next year, I guess. They won't so. throw you in jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get, you get like, a, I think you get like two or three strikes on your license. So if you do come out hot and you get a strike on it, then you could try again the next year and hopefully you won't get another strike. But that's kind of how it works right now. Three yeah. strikes, you're out. I think so, yeah. Hmm. Cool. 
Um, and then how, I don't know, I don't think I asked you this already, but how did you determine how much to grow? Was that in accordance with your license at all, or is it just what worked for you? Uh, just kind of what worked for us, and I mean, this is all unused land before, and I didn't want to interfere with our corn and soybeans, because they're, you know, worth something right now, and didn't want to step on my farmer's toes either, so mm -hmm. we just made do with the little available patch that we had, and, uh, this kind of worked out in a little area and right here on the farm, you know, where, where we're living and not actually growing something. So mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess we could kind of illustrate the property a little bit. We're standing in between the two fields of hemp and it's right next to the house and barn. And then right beyond us on the other side is, is the cornfield. So these are your cornfields yep, and you yep. said you have soybeans too. We have soybeans too out uh, this way. Okay, gotcha. So the, the farm's basically about 300 acres total. And uh, yeah, the, the, the house itself sits on about 10 acres of unfarmed land. So mm -hmm. we used some of that area there and we just redeveloped it and made it so we could plant this hemp crop in there. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice. It's less uh, a lot of less mowing for me this year, so <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Are you the one managing the corn and soybeans or you have? Uh, we've got a farmer who does most of it for us and we uh, we lease out the land and split it with him. So okay, gotcha. he does that part of it and I do the hemp part, so. Anything you wanna say on, in terms of the contrast of growing hemp and growing corn and soybeans? Uh, as far I mean, I guess I'm thinking how starkly different it is with pesticides I think and, it's and just, irrigation. I I think the benefit is just so much less input into the into the farm itself. So you know, maybe you could save yourself a lot of costs with that. Um, I don't like to use those things in particular because you know I don't think they're the greatest for the soil and the environment and everything like that. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's it could be a benefit growing this stuff. You know, if it comes up like this, I don't have to worry about weeds and whatnot. And I could harvest it and sell the bales, or I could wait and sell the grain and the bales. And you know, I get two two crops out of one pretty much if I wanted to. So you know, it's a, I think it's it's got some definite benefits, but you know, mm -hmm. it still needs we need to get the more processing plants and get some more people interested in growing it before. It, become some big I guess so yeah yeah and let's come back to that but could you also answer like <clears throat> how lucrative you might view hemp compared to corn and soybeans corn and like soybeans. you just mentioned like you put I mean I'm not well hearsed on this but I think you put like probably thousands of dollars into inputs for corn and soybeans every year as farmers and then you yep, don't yep. do any of that with hemp but as far as like what's in demand what the crops are you know what the price is at and everything what do you see the difference being i mean that's kind of a hard question to answer maybe yeah it's a little tough but uh you know we're we're excited to get some bales out of here we're going to be selling bales for hopefully around 250 bucks per bale per each ton and uh so we're going to do that there's an opportunity to sell some green which i think was around is somewhere around 50 cents for non-organic to a dollar per pound for the organic grain so you just have to line up your markets and be able to sell it that way it's it's a little easier with the corn and soybeans right now because there's more spots to take it and sell it but uh mm -hmm. yeah if you could line up your buyer and make sure you get that lined up before you decide to grow anything mm -hmm. whether you're doing the cbd or the grain and fiber and just make sure you got somewhere you could take it in the end 
-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be, it's hard to figure that stuff out when you're later on in your crop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is just like new territory in Nebraska and you have a buyer in Kansas. Um, there's demand in general, but I think you're saying there needs to be more demand in Nebraska. It's, it's tough, you know, cause you gotta have somewhere to take it. So somebody has to step up and, you know, get a processing plant going for it. So farmers can actually take it and sell it to them. And without that, it's hard for farmers to gain a lot of interest in it. I mean, for me taking the crop to Kansas, that's pretty far, two and a half hours, but you know, it's, it's somewhere to go with it and kind of get our feet in the water with it, I guess a little bit, trying to figure it out. So. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the need for a processing plant in Nebraska? So yeah, so uh, if you put if you build the processing plant, then the farmers will come to you. So, yeah, if you build it, they will come. Okay. It's like it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. It's like who's gonna go first? You know, you could have all these people out growing it, you know, and thinking it's a great crop, and they want to sell it to somebody, but then they don't have anywhere to take it except for you know Kansas, or you could go to. Colorado or Sydney, Nebraska is the other one right now. So they're so far out. So, you know, you got to have those committed acres to be able to make a processing plant work. So you have to have more people interested in it and then they could see, you know, they could grow it really easy out here and it'll come up and then they can, they just have to have somewhere they could take it though. That's the main thing. So mm -hmm. it's like, who's going to go first? You know, is it going to be the farmers or is it going to be someone making that investment in that processing plant you know it's kind of tricky right now so mm -hmm. and are you willing to talk about you know your vision for a processing plant in nebraska could you share about that idea oh uh, yeah you know that'd be really cool you know there's out west further out west you don't see as much of this crop growing as well you know there's not as many wild plants out there but as you come this way, it grows a lot better, you know. So if we get something set up out here, I think it would benefit a lot of people because it grows so great. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we can, you know, my vision would be get something out here on our property, you know. We're kind of right here by Lincoln. We're right by a railroad, you know, right by the interstate. Mm -hmm. So it could right. be a lot of potential for somebody to bring something out here. Mm -hmm. Um you got to get the land, you got to get the acres so committed from the farmers, and that's the trick. So getting people interested in doing it. Um, I mean, I we probably need like a 1,000, 2,000 committed acres before we get something up and running and <laughs> be kind of profitable on it. So mm -hmm. it's a long way, but there's so much land out here, and, you know, this could be a great rotation crop for someone. They could switch it out and still make a profit on it, you know, less inputs sell it you know sell it to us if we had a processing plant and make a little profit it's good for your soil you know no inputs and it's got a deep tap root that'll break through a soil hard pan too so mm. do you yeah. know how far the roots go uh pretty far down you know i think they go like maybe two three feet down sometimes so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right on um yeah and so do you want to share about your open house so yeah, we're gonna do an open house and have some farmers come out here and we're gonna do that at the end of July, uh, the 20th, 26th, I believe. Wednesday the 28th. 28th yeah. is the date. And then, uh, yeah, so we're gonna invite some people out here. We're gonna do a little statement ourselves on our farm, you know, growing the crop and everything and what our 
future plans would be, you know, and then we're going to be answering any questions anybody has for us, and yeah, we'll have a little bit of food and drinks out here too, so it'd be okay. fun to just come out here and give people an example of what it looks like, you know, and how little, you know, inputs we put in here, and, mm -hmm. you know, see if it catch anyone's interest, and mm -hmm. maybe they'll go out and get a license next year or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you'd like to see more people applying for the licenses and growing the crop and then also coming together and making happen the long-term vision of a processing plant in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Love to see it happen, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how exciting. Another thing that Dakota added about industrial hemp is that there's not much soil preparation that needs to happen. I think I went a little bit overboard on it, I guess, compared to what some people need to do. Because I've talked to other farmers. I knew a farmer in Nebraska City, and he planted straight into his former corn crop without doing any tillage or anything. And I'm not sure how he's doing right now, but they say the less uh, human involvement in getting the grounds worked up and everything, the better the crop might even grow. So Wow. You know, I'm surprised because I did quite a bit, you know, prep this year on it just because the ground was new and it was just all grass. But yeah. I know you could plant like straight into like um, no-till. You could do like a spray down and plant on top of that if you wanted to. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're <laughs> we're standing by this field and you have this really nice sign that you put up and it um, says industrial hemp. This crop is grown for fiber and grain. Industrial hemp must test below 0.03% THC to be legally harvested in Nebraska. This is not marijuana. It has your license number on it. Um, I like how this is not marijuana is in bold print. It's separated from the rest of the text. Uh, it's just like this constant need to make that distinction because I think people are confused still yeah. in Nebraska. This is new and um, it was, there was a lot of pushback I think for a while just because I don't know. Do you want to talk about like the social aspect of um why you think maybe there was pushback for a long time why this is just happening now why people think it's marijuana i mean it's, yeah. it's kind of com complex <laughs> it's kind of a yeah. hard question but um i guess maybe like why do you think you had to put on your sign this is not marijuana so yeah it's a lot to do i think with the culture of you know hemp or marijuana in nebraska and you know it's been so Everybody's been against it for so long because they think, oh, you know, people are growing it and they want to smoke it or something like that. And you get the stigma of the ditch weed all the time and all that other stuff. But yeah, and we had a farmer across the street. He was looking at our crop one day. The county assessor was out here and he asked her if it was like the weed control board and if they were going to come out here and take out the whole entire crop or something. <laughs> and so yeah, there's a lot of people that just have that view, you know, that it's just grown for a smokable plant or something like that where really there's so many other potential uses for the plant itself mm -hmm. so i put the sign out there to try to you know educate a few people and just get their perspective changed a little bit that you know we're not growing it for something for that kind of purpose we're growing it for the fiber and grain you know and if you could show the nebraska farmer that oh yeah i'm gonna throw this in your crop rotation you know you don't have to do a CBD plant that require a lot of additional care or whatnot. You could just throw this stuff out here, grow it, chop it down, and then bale it up or harvest the grain. You know, a lot of farmers have the equipment needed to do all that out here. So, you know, it just seems like a 
easy crop to do, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You didn't have to buy more equipment. Uh -uh. You, yeah, that's a really good point to make, too. Okay, great. So farmers who are interested in it, you know, they've got a lot of the stuff needed to do it. You, I mean, you could plan it with your air planter or whatever you got. Uh, wheat drill is what a lot of people recommend, but one of these fields I just hand seeded. I went and spread the seed out by hand and just that's all I did for it and it came up. So you want to plant it like a quarter inch, half inch depth and uh, yeah, you just kind of throw it out there and make it happen and there you go, there's another crop, so. Great, great. You just have to put the money down for the license and pass the FBI background check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little trouble at first. But yeah, sure. It's yeah. Cool. It could be some, you know, a huge potential crop for Nebraska, so. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, that was Dakota Dezerk, the farm manager of Reed's Green Growers. That's R-E-E-D-S. They're having an open house on Wednesday, July 28th from 5 to 8 p.m. to take a closer look at how hemp for fiber and grain has a potential as an alternative crop for Nebraska farmers. Uh, anyone's welcome to join, especially farmers interested in growing hemp. Uh, you can find out more by emailing dakota at reedsgreengrowers.com or just show up. The address is 8253 Northwest 27th Street in Lincoln. Thanks for listening to Planet A. We have no Planet B. My name is Annie Bowling. Take care of yourself and the earth and each other. Till next time.